You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 263. Today's episode is all about how being flossom and fearless is the most effective way to create engagement and connection in your business. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Mind Your Business Podcast. It's Monday. Monday fun day. Monday is the new fun day for entrepreneurs everywhere. It's a whole new week, whole new possibility available for you. Thank you for starting out your day, your week with me. You're amazing. So awesome. I got a really great interview today from Laura Belgray. Laura's on the show. You may know her. She's like the right-hand woman copywriter producer for Marie Folio. Maybe heard of her. Maybe. We have a fantastic conversation today. We'll get into in just a moment. The concept of flossom, which is being flawed and awesome, or rather that being flawed makes you awesome, which is just such a beautiful beautiful message about how to just show up unapologetically you and your business and what that actually looks like. And uh, I'll say Laura is one of the most creative, talented copywriters that I've ever met. And so how that really comes out in your copy as well is beautiful in your stories, in your branding, in your social stuff, like the grams, the Instagrams, and how important that is today, more so than ever. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. But first, let me update you with a few things. I want to catch you up to speed. What I've been up to, as some of you guys know, I've talked about it on a previous episode. I talked about it on social. I was in Sedona, my home away from home, Arizona, about two weeks ago, actually. I was there for seven days straight, and it was fantastic. Now, I had three events I was running there, which is kind of crazy. Technically three. Well, the first one was uh, Mastermind for the finalists of our Breakthrough of the Year competition that we ran last year at BBD Live. So a bunch of our amazing coaching clients got to come out and hang out with me and my team for two days as we did this nice little mastermind retreat thing in Sedona. And then we wrapped that up and went right into our annual executive retreat where my executive team and I meet for two days. We talk about our 10-year vision, a lot of the things that are working, not working, things we want to improve on, all that good stuff in the business. And then we brought the rest of our team out for the final two days for our team retreat. And I just can't stress enough how powerful your team retreat is to really, you know, get everybody re-inspired and remembering the vision, the focus, the outcomes, what you're up to, what you're moving towards and how much that lit a fire under everybody's arses and really just how much creative ideas and connection and fun that we all had. But that being said, um, the biggest mistake I made in that week is first of all, like Sedona is like my favorite place. Most of you guys know this. I go there like three times a year and there was no like downtime for James and it really started like getting on me and I was kind of like beating myself up for it that I spent this whole time like in Sedona and then didn't really get to enjoy any of it. There was no like James time. And 
that was, I should have anticipated that. You know, I should have like put a day right in the middle where I just was like, today's the day off. But it was indoors the whole time. Like, oh my gosh, like you want to be in nature when you're in a place like Sedona, not indoors. So that was a whole week. And then I came back to work back in the office. And now it kind of felt like I had two weeks of work to do in one week. And so the next week kind of was a little busier than my normal pace. And so where that really left me was like, kind of like, geez, at the end of the week, like tired. So if you guys were following my Instagram stories, I did a massive self-care day, which like self-care, you know, first of all, I think people are like, it's cool and hip to talk about self-care now, which is great. But it's it, for me, this is something that I'm always doing. It's just like, sometimes you got to be extra overcompensating and intentional about it because things like that happen where it's like two weeks of nothing but work and it's just kind of an ebb and a natural ebb and flow. So I was just very intentional and I spent the whole day, you know, doing nothing but what you would call like self-care activities. Like I spent a lot of time at the beach, in the water, in the salt water, surfing, massage, IV therapy, hydration room, a lot of reading, a lot of just laying out and relaxing, you know, celery juice, eating clean, eating healthy and all that stuff. But it was more about what not doing, you know, no, none of the social, you know, yes, some people laugh because I shared it on my Instagram stories, but that's easy because I'm just, I'm not looking at anything. I'm just opening up and do my little bit and then get off versus like reading comments, especially Facebook. And I'm going to be talking more about this in future episodes because it's like a really big thing for me. It's like what we're consuming. And one of the things that I don't know I've ever talked about here is that like I refuse, refuse, utterly refuse, absolutely without like no exception. I will never, ever look at the Facebook feed. I think Facebook is toxic in a lot of ways and the feed is just yucky and disgusting. Now, maybe part of this is years ago, like years, years ago, I like friended 5,000 people that weren't even my friends. You know, you're like, oh, I want to get a bunch of friends. You start liking and friending a bunch of people and all this stuff. And now what I have in my newsfeed, and sadly, this is just me going on a little rant here. So let me get on this little soapbox. Okay, there we go. You know, Facebook's algorithm is going to reward people that share and like and all that stuff. And the things that get shared and liked the most are a lot of times is people complaining, people playing victim, people whining, people taking a stand for, for something. And ultimately, a lot of that is just a lot of negativity. And you got to be really mindful of how much negativity you're just absorbing in your life. And any time in the past when I'd see myself just even look at the news feed, you just get sucked into it. And that's the thing is, you know, the reptilian survival part of our brain is it's like it's looking for fear. It's looking for something to be afraid of. It's looking for a threat. It's looking for danger. And go look on your news feed and just uh, just actually be present to it. Just actually like intentionally be present and notice it most people's posts is going to be, you know, like complaining about, you'll never believe what my local Walmart did to me. Unbelievable. Right. And I need everyone on my side about this situation. (laughs) And that's what a lot of it is. Maybe it's just my feed. (laughs) I don't know, but I refuse to go there. And so that type of detox. It's not about social media detox to me. It's, it's about negativity detox. You know, I find that most prevalent on Facebook. On Instagram, I only follow accounts that are like positive quotes and affirmations. So that's very nice. Every time I just log in there, I just see nice things being said. And that makes me feel good. So anyway, so I did a huge self-care thing. And, and I think my big takeaway from that for all y'all was how important it is. It's actually a lot about what you shouldn't be doing. It was no work, 
No work at all, no social, no negativity, no thinking about work. Even thinking about work takes a lot of mental, you know, emotional energy. And like giving yourself that permission to turn off is just so great. So anyways, I hope you followed me on that. If not, go check out my stories in the future. But in other news, I'm off to Chicago this week. We have our masterminds out there, which I'm very excited about. I get to hang out with all of our Inner Circle Mastermind members. So I'll be away. I'll be in Chicago. But I want to share some important dates of what's coming up on the calendar for you. The first is next week. It's a very special week on the podcast. This is what we're calling the Week of Jasmine Star. Jasmine is a good friend of mine. She's been a ma- member of my masterminds now for four years. I've had the honor and privilege of working with her closely. And she's just such a superstar. She really is a star. And we decided to, because she lives locally, she's just, you know, in Newport Beach in my neck of the woods. She came into the office and we did not one, not two, but three episodes here for the Mind Your Business podcast. So she's going to be all next week. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you stay tuned because she's amazing. And we have a Monday episode where we talk about her journey, her growth, her evolution over the past couple of years. We have a case study episode where she goes in and details one of her most recent launches. And then on Friday, she's going to break down the latest and greatest of what's working for Instagram right now. It's going to be an amazing week. I cannot wait to hear your feedback. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. And then another reminder, July 29th. Oh my goodness. July 29th. This is going to be the official release of the Rise of the Digital CEO video series, our brand, brand, brand spanking new series. It's so new. It's not even done yet. We're actually, as soon as I get back from Chicago, I'm going to be going to the final two week sprint of filming this series and it's going to get done just in time for you. So save that date, July 29th. Last year's series, people said was the best online video series they'd ever seen in their entire online career. And this one trumps that. It kicks its butt, takes it to a whole nether level. Evil, evil, evil. And I cannot wait for you to see that too. So much goodness, so much awesomeness coming your way. July 29th, save it in the calendar. Get on the wait list, businessbydesign.net. There may be some extra goodies there for you when you do that. Okay, anyways, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to Laura. I think she's amazing. She's the founder of Talking Shrimp, and she's an award-winning copywriting expert, and her words, I love it, unapologetic lazy person. Through her work with hundreds of clients, including the biggies like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield, she's seen firsthand that putting you into your copy is pure magic for getting people to love you, share your ideas, and click that buy button all day long. And we just have an amazing conversation today about this whole concept of being flossom, being unapologetically you in your business. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Laura Belgrade. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have joining us here on the call, my special guest today, Laura Belgray. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm really fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here, being on the show. I have a feeling this is going to be a fantastic conversation. So I want to just jump right into it. Let's for those our listeners who don't already know you, can you share a little bit about your backstory, like your bio, your journey, your story, who you help and all that good stuff? Oh my gosh, it's so long. I don't know whether to give you the <laughs> long version or the shorty. I'll, I'll try and do a, a middle version. Okay. So right now I help mostly entrepreneurs and creatives and people with personal brands put their full personalities into their business. So they get as close as possible 
to being paid to be themselves, like getting paid to be you. To me, that's the holy grail. Mm. What I'm known for is copywriting. And I got into the copywriting thing for entrepreneurs in the online world after a couple of decades of writing for TV promos, writing for networks like HBO and Bravo and NBC and Nick at Night and TV Land and all those. And just sort of segued into the weirdo online world by accident because I met Marie Forleo in hip hop class at Crunch. And That's how you guys met? Yeah. Wait, was she teaching the class? Well, not at first. We were in the same class together. Okay. And um, she was just this annoying chick in the front <laughs> who... <laughs> Why was had, she annoying? <laughs> well, I think anyone would agree this is annoying. She had the perfect body, like super flat abs, big bouncy tits, big bouncy <laughs> hair, didn't really seem to sweat, but she hit all the moves perfectly, like hit, hit, you know, just like yeah. every move she just nailed and the teacher would always want her to demonstrate. And and she had a really fun attitude and I was just like, oh man, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> that is annoying. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we started talking one day and I was like, "Oh crap." This does really seem bad. like the start of a movie or something though. Like <laughs> you guys reached for the same towel or something. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a different movie. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the one that happens in the locker room, that's a whole other story. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's for sure it's the start of my movie. It's the start of my my yeah. career movie. This phase of it anyway. Like I had no idea what she was doing. I understood that she bartended. She was also a life coach and I didn't really understand what she was doing with that, what that meant right. and um, why she brought this yellow pad, like this legal yellow pad to class every day. She did start teaching and I started going to her class once we became friends and she would start every class telling a little story and say like a little inspirational story and saying like, I'm, I don't just teach hip hop. I all, I'm also a life coach and I have a newsletter. And if you want to sign up for it, I share these stories in my newsletter every week. And, um, it was called magical moments. It was such a cheesy name. <laughs> Everybody signed up for it. So she, that was like a very early analog opt-in that legal yellow pad that she brought to class. That's why she brought the legal pad. How, mm -hmm. This was like, what, like 18 years ago. 15? Let's see, um, just about like 2003 is when I met her. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 16. Okay. Let's see. Mm -hmm. I was, I was still in college. <laughs> I was getting, <laughs> I was getting drunk at fraternity parties. Okay. I'm just trying well, to figure out where I was in this, in this process. Um, well, I was in eighth grade. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You were, you were just getting ready for high school. That is right. <laughs> and you were taking your hip hop classes in the morning before class. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> I love this. Now, how did that conversation go from, I'm a student in a class that I'm, you're taking that I'm following to, uh, Hey, I'm going to start doing all this work with you. Well, we used to, like, we became friends and we used to walk home together, me all sweaty and her looking really cute. Um, <laughs> and we annoying. lived in the, yes, and annoying. We lived in the same neighborhood and we'd walk home together and talk about The Apprentice. And Marie, around that time, was starting to do group programs with her coaching. And she had an online program called Virtual Mastery. Mm. That was all it was called, like, back then, because this was the, 
you know, during the aughts, like the dawn of online programs, you could call something virtual mastery. That's and it. people would be like, oh, I'm in. I want to yeah. master virtual. it yeah. virtually. <laughs> um, <laughs> All the things, yeah. Exactly. So I was like, well, she's my friend, but maybe I should join her program anyway. I was like, that seems weird to join my friend's program. But um, I was like, should I join your program? Maybe it'll get me out of my creative rut at work. I didn't know what to do next with myself. And she's like, yes, of course you should. So I joined it. And it was pretty much for people with businesses online starting these things that I didn't really understand, but I was able to help a lot of them with their copy, like in that there was a forum. Mm. Um, this is before really Facebook was active for these things. So the forum was, you know, like this, I think it was on Ning. Wow, um, a, and Ning, I would, a yeah, Ning community. Ning. Oh man, it's bringing me back. <laughs> That's a, that's a flashback. Right. Uh And I would help people with their copy. Like in the, in the comments, people would say, how does this sound for my website? And even though I hadn't done website copy before anything like this, I had just written for TV. I was pretty good at it. I understood how to, how to write like a person. And most people don't understand that naturally. So I helped a lot of people and Marie saw me doing this and was like, Hey, you're really good at this. Would you want to speak at my first live event? Hmm. Is this the rich, like, happy, hot first live event? Or rich, is this happy, and hot. Wow. It was her first rich, happy, and hot live. And so I created a talk for it about cop. It was five secrets to non-sucky copy, which later became my opt-in. And it still is. And it went well. And people came up to me afterwards and said, can you help me with my web copy? Um, Like I'm a lawyer. I need help with my website. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I started getting clients through that here and there. And I was still heavily doing TV stuff for a long time. But at some point it was around 2010. I had like, I had this six figure contract with my main TV client and they called me into the office one day, my boss there and she, she was like, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, great. Um, I have some ideas to run past you for the, if this is about the, the Betty White show, I've got some ideas to run past you. And she was like, no, it's not about the Betty White show. And in fact, you can close the door. And- Those are never, <laughs> never good signs. <laughs> yeah, never a good sign. I was like, close the door. Wow, this must be some hush-hush project. <laughs> um, <laughs> and no, it wasn't. The hush-hush project was her canning me hmm. or not not renewing my contract really. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty devastated. And I had actually just gotten a raise from them, like raised my fees and things had been going really well, I thought. And this was like right during the recession. And so I was like, crap, how am I going to make up that money now? And so I put my services up on my website. I didn't have anything there before to attract random like one-on-one clients yeah. and people started coming to me and I filled up my practice with a lot of one-on-one person, like private clients who are in mostly in the online world. Mm-hmm. And that started a whole new career. And over time it's become more, way more of that and way less TV. And now I barely do TV stuff anymore. So oh. I pretty much priced myself out. Yeah. It seems like it was something that you, uh, you weren't, planning for it like if they wouldn't have canned you Mm -mm. you may you may still be doing that i would still be doing it or 
I would be actually at this point probably scrambling for work because by now for sure my contract would have ended like mm-hmm. a million times over because yeah. um, the, the industry has changed so much and people hire writers a whole lot less. And now if you want to get work as a writer in that industry, you also have to be what is called a predator which is a, I know, I know it sounds, it sounds horrible. It's not that kind of predator. It's a producer and editor (laughs) combined. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So yes, predators are highly valued in Mm, the industry. Um, So you have to be a writer and a predator if you want to be a writer at all. And I'm not a predator. Yeah. Just a writer. I'm a predator. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's not the stuff that I wanted to do. So I have a lot of old colleagues who are like now kind of asking me to have coffee, hitting me up. Like now they're starting to get Mm -hmm. interested in what I do. They're like, I don't know what you do exactly, but it seems like it might be something I should do. Can I pick your brain, Laura? Thanks. That'd be great. Yeah. Can I pick your brain? And you're just like smiling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, do you want to know the price of picking my brain? (laughs) Exactly. Well, I told you this before the show. I think you're an extraordinary writer. I think there's... I see just so much creativity that comes out of your writing. And I think that can be hard too, is people, there are very creative writers that can't write copy. Yes. And then there are copywriters that are like all about conversions, but it's like, it's boring and has no creativity. And I've seen you masterfully blend the both, which I I, uh, just wanted to acknowledge you for, because I I do, I think you're just extremely talented. You know, so... I've seen, you know, well, I mean, like just looking at Marie, she's such a prolific figure in this space. And I just feel like mm-hmm. everybody knows her, you know, every picture with her is like with Oprah Winfrey, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, gosh, darn it, Marie. <laughs> and I see the role that you've, that you've played. And I think that really leads me to my next question of what has that really experience been like for you? of, for lack of better words, kind of being, I don't want to say like in the shadow, but like the behind the scenes person. Yeah. I mean, working with Marie has been massive for my career who know, like in a parallel universe, who knows, maybe I'm scrambling for clients. I don't know what I'm doing in like in the universe where I haven't met Marie, but it's been incredible to work with her and and learn from her because I thought that I was the pro copywriter when I met her and, you know, she was this bartender mm-hmm. and life coach and i realized over time she is really good at copy and she yeah. really understands intuitively how to speak to people's desires and their pain and i think cuz she's such a she's such an empath that mm-hmm. she just naturally understands that stuff and also how to speak to the you know, the WIIFM station mm-hmm. that's playing in everyone's yep. heads, the what's in it for me. And she taught me a lot about that. For instance, just I remember running past her an email that I was sending to a TV client about why I was raising my fees. And she was like, oh, dear. Uh, she was like, we gotta, <laughs> she was like, we got to change this because it was all about me. It was like about why I wanted more money yep. and why I deserved more mm-hmm. money. And she's like, you got to talk to them about what value you're bringing to them and make them excited about paying you more money. And I was like, oh, I didn't really understand that. So it's been like immeasurably uh, valuable to work with her. But the being in the shadows part, 
is something that I've been making an effort to change over the last couple of years. And making that conscious effort has shifted my business huge, like in, I would say beyond measure, because for a long time, I think I was, I was known and was okay with being known as Marie's copywriter or Mm -hmm. Marie's secret weapon. And at some point I was like, wait a minute, I don't want to be anyone's anything. I'm me. Like, you know, it makes me feel like hairdresser to the stars. I'm like, no, I am me. I want to be, I kind of wanted to be a star in my own right. And one day it occurred to me that I could be. And in no way did Marie ever want to suppress me or keep me in the shadows. That was never anything that she did. It was something that I went along with because it, well, for one thing, it brought me a lot of clients when people said, oh, you're Marie's copywriter. I want you to be my copywriter. And I worked with a good number of online hotshots and I have, and I still do, but that really is not what I want. I I really, I didn't think of myself as a leader, but I have decided that I am and want to be. And so I'm embracing that role. Well, you said, you said one day it occurred to you that you could be in the spotlight. You could be the star. Is there a specific moment or something that like real specifically just shifted all of that for you? Or is it just kind of like a, a blend of moments over time? I think it is more a blend of moments over time. I did have a friend say to me, you know, I think the the thing that's going to make the biggest difference in your business and bring you the things that you want is you've got to get out of Marie's shadow. Mm. What was that like hearing that? Was that hard? Was that because yeah. I feel like it has some, you know, pros and cons in the sense that like, like you said, it's, it's bringing new business and it comes with it a massive amount of authority. Yeah, it does. And so that was that was something that was hard to let go of. And I don't have to let go of it. Mm-hmm. It is hard for me not to mention Marie in when I'm talking about my business journey. She's yeah. such a huge part of it. She's yeah. like that meeting her at Crunch. That is my origin story for what I do now. Right. So it's hard for me not to mention her. And I'm not trying to not mention her. But I think that she like Marie Forleo used to be my point of departure for everything that I talked about in my business and how I referred to myself. So yeah, I'd say it was a series of moments over time. But that day when my friend said, you've got to get out of Marie's shadow, and she was a she was a new friend. So it was kind of her first impression of me. Yeah, it's just like, that's, you know, that is how you identify yourself as Marie. Oh, oh, absolutely. I was going to say it's like, it's part of your identity. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so like, who is Laura? Laura is, you know, Marie Forleo's copywriter, but it's right. like changing. Right. And that. you know, by the way, that's not even true. I'm not her copywriter. I'm her co-writer on episodes of Marie mm. TV, but she does like, it does a disservice to her to allow sure. myself to be identified that way. Cause she, she for years has written all her own copy, like her sales pages. People give me credit for those. I'm like, I didn't write that. I wish I had. Wow. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's good to know because knowing Marie for a long time too, I always knew she was great communicator, great copywriter. So, and even for myself, like we work with a ton of copywriters because you need someone to flush out your idea. You need someone to like refine it or give that veneer, that final touch and, and all of that. But I think it's something that all of us as personal brands, like you just can't like ignore it. Like, I'll, you know, like, oh, I'm just I don't want to learn copy. I'll just let somebody else do it. I'll just let Laura write all the yeah. copy in my business yeah. and that'll solve all my problems. So 
And you have to write. I mean, I I consider most people, especially copywriters, separate copy and content. To me, it is all copy. Oh, 100%. I, come, I, I mean, I, first of all, I come from a magazine background originally. Mm. And for that, like anything that we like an article that needed to be written, someone would say, we need copy for this. But that was <laughs> always my idea of copy. Copy right. is everything that you write for a business. And so I consider content your most important copy. It's all about content. No one wants to read your sales page if they don't already know you through your content in some way, right? Whether it's social media, your blog posts, your emails. So I think that to, to think that you can hire someone to do all that stuff is crazy and foolish totally because you you want like that's where your personality comes out and you want to be able to create things on the fly and express yourself like you have to in this industry i mean like especially with like instagram posting every day right but that's i think you just bring up something i think is really great from a tactical copy standpoint is that we'll i'll see a lot of our like new members and students that want to like get their sales page reviewed and you get the sense that a lot of like entrepreneurs are putting all their marbles in the sales page, you know, and it's like, it all comes down to this. Mm -hmm. And, and to just echo what you said there, if you're waiting to make the sale, when they land on your sales page, it's too late. When they get to that sales page, it's, they're already 99% a yes. When you've strategically used all of your content up until that point to move them closer to the transformation, to the, uh, you know, removing of the objections, the beliefs that are getting in the way. So I'm glad you really bring that up. Okay. So you've felt this like the last few years of (laughs) stepping into you being a leader. Yeah. So what has that process been like for you? Has it been a struggle? Has it been hard? Is it really easy or where are you at with that? It's actually been really easy mm, in a way. I mean, okay. I'll tell you the, the parts that have been hard that have been a struggle are a big part of this is speaking more on stages. And I love doing that. And that, like, that was one of the things where I like, I, it's time for me to be seen and it's time for me to use that skill and get on, like really get on the stage literally and speak to whole lots of people. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways to make a big splash, right? Totally. And to yeah. affect a lot of people, people are really listening to you, especially when they've paid for an event and you're there on stage. There's something godly about being up there on a stage, right? But it scares the crap out of me every what, what, single time. What what scares the crap out of you? Getting on stage and speaking. So like, when do you get scared? Like right before you're going on? Or even if I was like, hey, I've got an event in six months, you want to speak at it? Would you be scared even then? When you say I've got an event in six months, do you want to speak? That's yes, absolutely. Not scared. When it is like, hey, the event's coming up in a month. Uh Do you have your, how how are those slides coming? I'm like, oh God, why did I agree to do this? I'm going to suck somebody else. Especially if you said something like, want you to kick ass up there. Everything's got to be really actionable and awesome. And people are looking for takeaways. Yeah. And you only, <laughs> like, ha- you only have 45 minutes, so don't blow it. You, right. You got 45 <laughs> minutes and we need you to get off the state. We, we need you to end on the dot. I'm like, Oh God, no, yeah. I'm going to blow it. Yeah. Like all kinds of things. Like it's not going to be tight enough. My voice is going to crack. And sometimes it does. Or I'm going to forget what I was saying mm, and have yeah. that moment where I'm like, uh, I forget what I was saying. 
and where the audience is like, oh no. Oh that my hasn't gosh. Happened. I've, I've had that. Like, I've had that happen. Yes, it's awful. <laughs> and you feel like, I think when you're in the audience, you feel so nervous for the person on yep. stage. At least I do. I feel yep. so nervous for them. It's painful. <laughs> until, they start, until they start to speak. And if they're comfortable, I'm comfortable. Mm. And it's such a relief when someone gets on stage and they're comfortable. Yeah. And they're really good. And you're just like, ah, phew. Now I can sit back and listen. It's yeah. just like, you know, it's like going to a comedy club pretty much. It's just like, oh God, this better be good. Or I else I'm going to, I'm going to want to hide yeah. um, in the audience. So all those things come to mind when I'm about to, when I'm ramping up to speak somewhere and that kind of pressure really freaks me out. And I know you get like, as time goes on and you do it more, you get better at it and you get more comfortable with it. And I have gotten to a point where when I get on stage or when I'm about to, especially if I I know and like the audience, I feel like, okay, this is going to go well. I'm fine. I'm not actually nervous about this. But then that moment that I get on stage, I find my I find that my body revolts a little bit and I'm cold. Um, I have like goosebumps and yeah. my voice is starting to waver. I'm like, oh, no, my words aren't going to come out right. I'm like, God damn you, body. Why are you nervous when I'm not? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I thought we were all on the same page about this. Like, yeah. it was going to go great. Why are you being so freaked out right now? Yeah my body. So, (laughs) so so that's like, that's been, that's been the hard part, pushing myself to do these things Mm -hmm. that I'm scared of because I'm, I love my comfort zone. This is what's also very interesting to me because the way I look at it too, is anyone that's called to this type of work, like even when you started saying like, I want to be this leader now and I'm ready to step into this is that I believe that even when that desire is there for each of us, that there's some message or a perspective on a message that we all have to share. And kind of like an artist, we have our medium that we choose. And so this is really fascinating because your medium is words and writing. Yeah. And so like even hearing like how, well, you know, logically getting on a stage is going to be really beneficial, but it's like, well, you know, like there are people that like, aren't that great writers, you get them on a stage and they just like, wow, blow everybody away. Right. And so it's just a very fascinating thing where writing is, is probably that primary medium for getting that message out. But then here we are like, cause I've, I've felt the same way many times. I mean, now, now I do so many events cause we do a lot of events in our business and I've been able to work through, but I used to get super nervous. Like I used to be nervous to the point where in back in college, when you go in a new class and they say like, go around the room and like share where you're from and like your favorite color or something. I I couldn't do that. I would freak out in class (laughs) of 30, you know? And it's just amazing that I can even stand on a stage today, but I resonate with that so much. That used to be me. So yeah. Yeah. You know what? I will say that anyone who blows you away on stage and isn't like, and doesn't seem to be that great a writer, I think that person probably is a great writer. They just don't know how to translate what they have to say into the written word, like on the page. It's just something that they haven't mastered yet. But that is like anything that you say on stage pretty much has been written, whether it is in your slides, you know, beforehand or in a script or right there on the spot. Yeah. Like, and bless those people who can do it right there on the spot. That's incredible. Like that. I mean, to me, that's the ultimate writer. Well, I had, um, do you know Jonathan Fields? 
Sure. Personally, yeah. So he came out to one of our masterminds about two years ago. He said one phrase that really stuck out to me. And every time I speak to a writer, I always ask him this. He said, he said in his experience, he's found two types of writers. So there's the writers that their first draft is their final draft, but mm-hmm. it takes them a long time to get started. Like it's like yeah. it's almost like they're writing all the drafts in their heads, and then as soon as yeah. they put pen to paper, it's like the first is the last. And he said, then there's the other one, which is the the messy writer that. Basically, they got to write that first draft and then chisel it away 20 times until they get to the what they really want to say. Do you resonate with that? And do you find yourself being one of those? Yes, I am. The first draft is the final draft mm. writer in mm. general. And it does. It takes me forever to get started, usually. Yeah. And I want to be more the messy writer. I try to make myself do that because that like <laughs> waiting forever to start is so painful. Yes. And for me, it's also painful to be writing something in a messy way because I have the I have the end result in mind as I'm writing and I'm trying to get that out of my head. But I definitely I have the reader's experience in mind as I'm writing. And I'm like, oh, nobody's going to want to read this. This is all out of order. Oh, my gosh. I'm not sure. You know, this isn't going anywhere good. I'm writing myself into a corner. I I was going to ask. I hear I think you already answered. I was like, do you feel like you're hard on yourself? Like, do you think like, you're, like in your head, a lot of self-talk yeah. that's like, yeah. yeah, are you familiar? I've talked about this. I don't know if I've ever brought it up on the podcast. Have you, are you familiar with this concept called the Dunning-Kruger effect? No. Oh my me. gosh, this is so fascinating. So it doesn't apply to writing, but it applies, it, it can be universally applied to really anything. But it's based on this entire concept that the people that doubt themselves the most tend to be the ones that are most qualified. Mm-hmm. Whereas the opposite is true is those that don't doubt themselves tend to be the least qualified and it's based on the idea that the more you know the more you know what you don't know and whereas people like through kind of like ignorance don't know what they're not doing so they don't have a criteria for what to criticize themselves on exactly does that make sense yeah look at who runs for president (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can i know i'm sitting here like i can be president (laughs) you know and i don't know anything about the political world well yeah i could do it too right there's my ignorance stuff yeah yeah exactly get in there and wing it and be a a stable genius (laughs) oh that's amazing so well then yeah i get that it's easy for us to like criticize ourselves a lot but I think it's also coming from, I have to imagine that your standard for excellence, like you probably have really great taste in the creative realm, like, like copy and, and right. So they're just, it's kind of like a double-edged sword where part of that criticism comes because you know, you know what great copy looks like. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I've realized um, more and more lately that you're doing a disservice to everybody if you don't create something that you want to create, if you don't write something that you want to write or or communicate something that you have in your head, just because you're not getting it perfect. And I have this friend, Susie, who I became friends with like just exactly two years ago. I met her at Selena at a party that Selena Sue had Mm. here in New York. And Susie is just like, I just loved her right away. I try to let her rub off on me as much as possible because she is so into letting everything be easy. And she talks a lot about, and I've heard other people talk about this, um, like Brooke Castillo, who you had on your mm-hmm. And Selena. I had Selena on as well. Yeah. Oh, yes. And Selena. The, like, this is not the way Selena works, but definitely the way Brooke Castillo works, is talking about giving things a B-minus mm-hmm. effort. 
Yeah. And that's Susie's thing, too. She's just like, give it a B minus, man. She's like, you know, you're cheating people if you don't put that out there. She's like, who cares if it's perfect? Nobody else notices. She's British, by the way. So I'm just doing her accents. <laughs> no. um, and, she, and it makes everything she says sound so smart. <laughs> yes, yeah, smart and delightful. Um, <laughs> so she's like, just let it be easy. Just you know, who cares if it's not perfect? She's like, somebody will, she's like, what you think, she's always reminding me, what you think is so basic and, yeah, just like so basic and like babyish. Mm. She's like, it's going to blow someone's mind. I love that. And that's what's realizing that that your standard and and idea of what is perfect or excellent is probably light years ahead of the average person. So even your B minus is probably like a B plus or an A minus to somebody else, right? Yeah. And the same with that somebody else, like whatever they're an expert in or whatever they know how to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's like people will say things to me all the time. Like you probably already know this, but like a friend was trying to, because I was, I was struggling with writing a chapter of my book that I'm working on. And a friend of mine voxed me and because I I had voxed her that I was just like having a rough day with it and she's like I know you know all this like you're a writer (laughs) you're an expert you already talk about all this so I feel embarrassed even saying this to you but and then she told me some things to that would inspire me to to keep going and Mm. to write and she's like you know just make it a messy first draft like so and so writes this way and writes a whole bunch of garbage and then finds three gold nuggets in there like goes in there and finds three takeaways and she's like I know you already know this and she kept saying that and I'm like you don't have to say that to me I'm like <laughs> yeah maybe I've heard it before right but I need to hear it again I need to hear yeah. it from somebody who somebody who I respond to well yes. like somebody who whose voice has an impact for me because you can hear something over and over from people and it just doesn't land and then you hear it from that so one true. person and you're like, thank you for saying that. Even yes. if you've heard it over and over, you're like, thank you for saying that to me today in that exact way. That, I think that's a really great point to bring up because I see so many people, especially like starting a business, like they make their goal about acquiring all the information. Like, let me learn all the things. Yeah. And we have today, I think, an epidemic of people that are like over, you know, consumed of the knowledge, the information but are really like plugged up when it comes to like, and how does this apply to me? Yeah. And sometimes that's just, I think that's just so beautifully said is takes the right person saying the right thing, the right way at the right time. And bam. Yeah. And you're that person for somebody, Mm. you know, anyone who's listening, Mm. like you are that person for somebody, unless you keep your stuff to yourself and say, oh, it's not perfect yet, or it's not sophisticated enough to tell anyone, or it's something that has already been said over and over. Why do they need to hear it from me? Yeah. You're that person they need to hear it from. Exactly. Exactly. And the proof is like, I can share all this like woo woo mindset stuff with my wife and she just (laughs) rolls her eyes. And laughs at me. And then somebody else, like a student, I say the same thing to them. And they're like, and I'm not even joking. They'll say, oh my gosh, you're so right. And then their husband will be right next to them and goes to them and says, this is exactly what I told you like five times. And it's right. like, it's exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is that, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so glad you found that out. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. like when you bring up the woo woo stuff, 
Mm. You know, I told you like before we started recording that I've gotten like secretly into some woo woo stuff. What was like uh, the first thing? Like what was the first secret thing you started doing? Well, it's, <laughs> it's really been, it's pretty recent. So Susie, the one I mentioned, she's really into Abraham Hicks mm -hmm. and she's always talking about how she like wakes up and does her mindset work in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And she's like, Oh, you know, may maybe I meditate or maybe I listen to some Abraham Hicks. And she's like, and I feel off all day if I don't listen to some. And she's always like, you've got to listen to it. And I knew about Abraham Hicks. I'd heard a lot of woo woo people mention them. Um, <laughs> Whoever they are. Them, they, her, him, them. And always dismissed it because I felt like it was, I felt like it was the kind of thing that people go to when they are, I don't know, lazy yeah. and, and want magic and want to believe that they don't have to do anything or figure anything can, out. Can I just jump in there and say, yeah. not only have I held that same perspective, but I actually still agree with it, um, mm -hmm. is that unfortunately like it makes it easy for people get to get off the hook in their life uh yes. in a lot of ways of like oh so what you're you because of the way we choose to interpret it exactly. right we can sit there and say oh so what you're saying is is that now i actually don't have to do any work and i just close my eyes and uh all my whole life will will change and you know i never have to work again or and i just did an entire episode on this what it also does is gets people off the hook from going outside their comfort zone and doing the scary thing. So, for example, you speaking on a stage, you already know that you get in front of a thousand people that are your ideal customers. That's going to do things to grow your reputation, your authority, your business, more sales, more leads, etc. And you go, oh, but it it scares me and I'm only supposed to do what feels good. So mm -hmm. I won't do it. Yes. And I, f I knew that language coming out of it, like I recognized the language coming out of it, um, even though I hadn't listened to much of it at all. And I always I felt like, like my bullshit meter would go off yeah. um, big time when people would say like, oh, well, I don't want to do that because I really that that doesn't feel aligned for me. Right. And right. I'm like, well, when you're scared shitless of it, something, no, it's not going to feel aligned. Nothing's going to feel good when but, you're afraid. Yeah. Exactly. Right. You can't keep using that. But I think what is so powerful about it is focusing on your desires, figuring out what you really yes. want and admitting to yourself yep. what you really want. Because I think that when it comes to right. thinking about what we want, we dismiss so much because we start to think logically and think, well, that's what I want, want but I have no path to it. I don't know how it could ever be possible. Therefore so I'll, just, I'll, I'll yeah. recalibrate what I want mm. to feel like something that I could do yes. comfortably. Yes. And this, ah, oh, this is so great. I love this because I hear so many people say, no, it doesn't feel aligned. It feels, it feels heavy. It, nothing feels heavy unless we're talking about actual weight. What's causing the heaviness, what's causing a negative emotion is our beliefs and interpretations or the meaning that we've attached to these things. Like speaking, speaking mm -hmm. on stage, if that feels heavy and scary, that's because you're, when you're thinking of speaking, you're, you're thinking about the worst things that could go wrong. What if I, my throat you know, clogs up? What if I forget yeah. what I'm saying? And so instead for anybody listening, uh, I think what Laura and I are saying here is that, well, if there's this thing that you want or someone suggesting would be a good goal or outcome and there was no fear attached to it. In other words, if you were courageously, fearlessly going after it and you already had it, would it feel aligned then? 
Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, as soon as the fear goes away, it's like, if we could just imagine this, if you could just erase the fear for a moment, pretend you were this fearless, confident person, then would it feel good? A lot of times when I ask people that, they're like, oh, well, yeah, of course. It's like, well, there, yes. there you go. So, yeah, and there's, well, then there's so much fear of feelings themselves. It's not oh, just yeah. being afraid of my voice cracking or mm-hmm. me losing what I'm saying. It's fear of fear of that. Yep. And like, oh, I know I'm going to be afraid of that before I go on stage. Um, and <laughs> yep. like, yeah, I do have to take that part out of it and always like go back to, well, what do I want? Always. Like, I, oh, want, my gosh, I want yes. the feeling of coming off of the stage. Yeah. I want the feeling of being up there when it's going well. The feeling of someone coming up to you after and saying, Laura, what you said spoke to me at such a deep level that I cannot thank you enough. Like, well, that's what we want. Yes. Oh my God. That just, thank you for saying that, James. <laughs> that's exactly Stop it. thing that I love to hear. Yeah. Yes. And you say that just now, even yeah. though you're playing pretend. Yeah. But, but yeah. according to all this Abraham stuff, I just got to sit on my couch all day. And if I close my eyes, then that'll happen. Okay. Let us know how that works. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And that's why I dismissed it so much. Cause yeah. I felt like people do use it in that way. And I've heard like, I had a friend years ago who was like, it was in like 2006. She and her husband like went to dinner with me and they, they said to me like kind of together, like in this really creepy way, they're like, have you heard of the secret? And I hadn't. (laughs) Um, And then they told me about the secret, the movie they'd watch. And they, I think they mentioned Abraham. Mm -hmm. Abraham appeared in the secret and they talked about, well, here's how it works. Like you envision checks coming in the mail instead of bills and then i was like and then checks just come like your at&t bill stops coming and instead you get checks from like a you know a recently deceased uncle like wh- how does that i was like this is crap and <laughs> i cannot say that those that that couple got rich in any way or that right. the checks showed up right. for them so yeah. i was like this is a bunch of crap but listening to it really does make me feel good. And I, speaking of AT&T, I actually, I finally upgraded my data plan to have unlimited data so that I could listen to, and my YouTube plan to like YouTube Red or whatever that is, mm-hmm. premium, so that I could walk, like I, I love to walk and listen to podcasts and I couldn't do that with their stuff because it was only on YouTube. And I was like, why didn't I do this years ago? Like just like, yeah. first of all, upgrade my, I don't know. I think it all kind of works together. I was like, why didn't I just like upgrade my data plan? Why was I being so weird and stingy and withholding? I think I didn't want AT&T to win, but I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but I was like, in a way, like just, I mean, I kept, I know this off track, but I just kept getting constant texts from them saying you have used up 75% of your extra one gig of, of data. You know, when that is complete, we will charge you for another gigabyte of data. And this was driving me crazy and hitting all my cheapness buttons. And so I think that there is something like symbolic and weird and very, I don't know, cohesive about me upgrading those things and listening to this weirdo woo woo stuff while I'm out walking and just like changing my life accordingly. Well, I think even just even if you're saying that, oh, going off a tangent, talking about your wireless bill, I think I don't think I, I what I experience and what I see is that people bringing in more of this spiritual context changes a lot of their interpretation of how they see the world. And so all of a sudden these things like we see patterns, we see synchronicities, we see 
a different story. Like we, we look at our lives, we look at the things that have happened in our life and all of a sudden they start to have more meaning, like more of an empowering meaning, like, oh, this is evidence, this is a sign, this is proof. And that goes back to Marie's first program about miracles you know what was it the magical well, miracle mastery. it was mastery. oh no no the uh, the newsletter yeah. the the newsletter okay. well, then magical moments magical exactly. moments magical and it, moments. there you go laura there that's what she was trying to say all along is like you realize like all these moments including going for limitless infinite minutes which is also symbolic of you realizing your limitless infinite power that there was like even things like upgrading that is a magical moment and i just i i love that that it gives us that in our lives i don't know me too you know i'm like i have never set out to be spiritual in any way that never hit home with me never Mm -hmm. resonated when people are like you know here's a program to make you more spiritual or mindful that didn't appeal and still doesn't i'm like who cares yeah why do i need that but i do love what i'm really into is the idea that a human being who's maybe set in her ways can change. Mm. And because I always felt like I'm stuck being this person. I'm stuck being a procrastinator. I'm stuck being this. I'm stuck be I'm stuck at this financial limit. Yeah. And in the last couple of years, I think especially in this past year, I've changed. I really didn't think that I could. And to me it is a miracle for a person to, it's a miracle when a person changes because the people around you in general don't change no matter how much you want them to, or they seem to want to. So it's really cool to be like, oh my gosh, I can, I can be this other version of myself that I always wanted to be. Which then begins to make things really exciting because it's like a snowball effect. It's like, well, wait a second, if I changed that, what else can I change? And then you realize, if it took that long I, to change, I can do it even faster. And I yeah. realize, like we look at the growth of our company and I attribute it to, you know, growth happens at, in stages. And at each of these stages, there is a different you that's required, mm-hmm. which is why you see people who get to cert- struggle really badly at certain levels and can't get to the next one or they stay or they plateau and they drop off because each different level requires a different version of you. This is, in, I mean, you can see this everywhere in Silicon Valley. There's all these startup entrepreneurs that then they kick them out of the company once it gets to a certain level because that person can't lead a team, can't scale it past a certain level because they're still too entrepreneurial. And I just look back my journey and it's like, it's a whole phrase I say over and over again, what got you here won't get you there. That like, oh my goodness, who I was, the scrappy entrepreneur that had to figure it all out to get to like 100K, is a very different person getting it to 1 million. And to go from one to 10 has taken a completely different person. And yes. and I've, I've said this before, but I just love it because people are, you know, like you are confirming this, is that my journey now is like all about this idea of discovering who do I get to be next? in this pursuit of accomplishing this goal. I think that's the big like shift that most people are like, oh no, I'm going to get to this goal so then I can tell people I am this person. I am successful. I am enough. I am worthy. I am these blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's backwards. It's you got to discover who you need to be and you need to be that first. And then the goal becomes the byproduct of that. It becomes the effect of this new transformation, this new leader or new individual that you step into. Yeah. And I like I think you do have to consider 
like when you want something huge that requires you to be a certain kind of person, you have to consider how much do I really want this big thing that I say I want? <laughs> yeah. um, do I, because, you know, when I think about it, for instance, you know, to bring it back to Marie, I look at the massive business that she has mm -hmm. now and, and the income from that. And I'm like, oh man, I want that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. want all that, like, I want all that money and all that success. And then I look at how hard she works mm -hmm. every single day from like five in the morning till she kicks off at 6 p.m. or so and all the team members that she manages and how much of a boss she is. And I no longer say to myself, I could never be that person. But I do say, I don't really want that life. I don't right. know that I want to be that person. Do Would I like that kind of stamina? Sure. And maybe I'm capable of that. But I don't like I don't want to work that hard all day long. Yeah. I like like I love my free time. I don't want to be scheduled to the hill. So I no longer say I couldn't be that person. But I do say I don't think I want to be that version of me. I kind of like, you know, I know the version of me I want to be. And it's someone who's really productive and doesn't waste time and doesn't like fill the day when I want to be creating something by instead checking my likes because I need that validation. So I love to like, I love the idea of moving out of that and a certain version of me who like doesn't care what anyone else has to say or thinks of me. And someone who's like, who just knows how to hit it hard, like just sit down and write and not check those things. But I don't necessarily want to grow into the person who manages a big team yeah. and all that. But yeah. I do, but it's nice to know that I could. Mm, that's who I want uh, to Absolutely. Be. Well, and I think there's even other stuff like, you know, the someone like Marie and, you know, we experience it. You know, you're in a sense exposed. You know, your life becomes a bit more public. Yeah. Open to just people's opinions all day long. Yeah, and, and you have to look nice when you go out on the street. Totally. I mean, we were in Sedona last week, and sure enough, a customer was there. I was mm -hmm. at breakfast, and I was like, oh, I hope I wasn't picking my nose or something, you know. And they're like, <laughs> they came up at the table. So hi, Joanne, if you're if you're listening, and uh, and you're like, wow, like part of you is almost like I think I need to like almost be on like all the time. You start to feel those type of pressures. There are things that come with it, and um, yes, you know. It's, it's some, it's what you could call the cost. And I, I look at like celebrities, everyone wants to be, not everyone, but so many people yeah. want to be an actor. They want to be, it's not right. they want to be an actor. They want to be famous. And it's yeah. like, but do you really know what their life is like? What so many of their lives are like, you know, you've seen tragic of just like their whole life gets put just right out on TV and exposed in the tabloids. And it's like, well, I don't want that part of it. And it's like for a lot of people, yeah. that's what comes with it, you know? Um, it is. Yeah. I think being an author, a famous author is just the right amount of famous. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's what, like some, a few people will recognize you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. Like, and it's like almost like the most loyal of like only the like most loyal loving fans recognize. Right. You. Exactly. <laughs> and, and they might dare to go up to you, you know, come mm -hmm. on, like, let's, let's go say how much um, I loved her book. Yeah. And, yeah. but no one will be like, wow, she really let herself go or like she should be wearing some makeup totally. or maybe not wearing those pants. Yeah. So I'm on to you with your strategies. Okay. This makes a lot of sense now. No, but you're writing a book. Tell, tell me about the book or tell us about the book. Well, it's going to be memoir. It's not, mm. 
It's not a copywriting book. Mm-hmm. It is not instructional or prescriptive, which I think is, it's a little bit of a, I keep thinking it's a tough fit with my audience because they love business books and yeah. they love being told how to do something better. And they, they, I think most people in our weirdo industry, and by that I mean like the space, which I've been calling it now, uh-huh. um, the online space, feel that they're not using their time well if they're reading something that's just entertaining. But that is the intention with my book. I mean, I'm writing it as it's entertainment and um, it's just memoir about growing up in New York as a dork. <laughs> as a dork. I love it. Well, there's two things I wanted to before we wrap up. There's, there's two things I really want to make sure we touch on. The first is circling around more to the creative process and what you do when you feel stuck and, and what you advise for others when they are looking at that blank screen and that like blinking icon and they're just, not coming out with anything. Yeah. Which is just the worst. So I love this tool called 750words.com, 750words.com. It's the numbers. It's really a journaling, journaling in your browser kind of thing. Wow. And I love it because it keeps track of how many words you've written as you go. And then it turns green when you hit 750 words. And so it's like a little bit of a reward for your brain. And it just like, it makes it feel very easy to have that discipline of sitting down and writing and just writing garbage every, every day, do you do every that? day. Yeah. I mean, there, there are times when I slack off and you can see at the top, it keeps score of, you know, each day, like will X a day that you wrote and leave it blank if you didn't. So if I That's like awesome. get in there and see like the whole month is blank, I'm like, oh crap, I fell <laughs> off the wagon. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that happens sometimes, but it is my favorite warm up exercise. Some people like to do morning pages and they prefer to handwrite. I really like to type mm-hmm. and it helps me. First of all, just the act of writing helps, I think, turn your brain on and gets things going. And it also helps me dump out all the garbage that's in there. And sometimes some genius comes out of it. I'm like, oh, that was a really good idea. And it helps. And I think that, you know, you should do that to start, like do some journaling. Well, let me let me ask you there. When you're doing this, are you starting with something that's related to whatever project you're working on? Is it completely random? Are you like... I'll just talk about my day yesterday, like a diary or what, what even prompts those first 750 words? Most days when I don't like, I don't know what I'm going to write that day. You know, maybe it's for my, maybe I'm trying to come up with an idea for an email. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily try to like ideate in 750 words. I just usually will write what I did yesterday. Really? I do use it as a journal For one thing, because that's easy to do. Like I don't have to think too hard of any great ideas. I can just go through the day, like the, all the mundane aspects of it. So that makes it easy to write. And the other thing I love about that is I love a journal. Like I love creating a record of all the things Mm. that I will never, ever remember otherwise that you think like, especially if there's a funny story, something weird or interesting that happened yesterday, and something that you'll end up telling your friends over and over for a while, you think, oh, I'll remember that story. And then years later, you're like, a friend will remind you, like, oh, remember that time that thing happened to you? No. You know, at, <laughs> at Staples, remember that that crazy guy that you met at Staples? And I'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so 
Um, And so writing it down, I think is such a great gift to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm jealous of everybody who kept a journal when they were a teenager because those are such rich years to have a record of. And God, I wish I could like, it would be so painful to go back and read, but I really wish I had a record. (laughs) It would, yes. Of of myself then, and your voice changes over time. So I think it's a great service to yourself to keep an actual log, a journal of what you're doing. Um, So that's the way I like to use it. And that's 750words.com. That's really cool. Was Was there more like that you do? That's, it kind of seems like it primes the pump. Yeah, that primes the pump. And then when I actually, when there is a thing that I actually have to write, okay, I will. And when I have no idea how to get into it, or how to start it, or really what kind of shape it's going to take, I write the crappiest version of it that I can. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let me just write this as a crappy note to myself. Yeah. yeah. And that will get the ball rolling. Or I'll say, think to myself, because usually I'm like, what I'm talking about now is when I'm writing emails or writing some kind of content, like I always remember, it doesn't have to be epic. Nobody, when it comes to email, nobody ever unsubscribed because your email was too short. So what is one quick thing I can Mm. say to people? And that always turns into something way longer because that's (laughs) just my style. I'm like, damn it, this was going to be a short one. But that for sure helps me start. I'll write one sentence. What would this be if it were on Twitter? Hmm. And I'll write one sentence and that will turn into something longer and something useful and something that people are happy I hit publish on. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, so simple. Okay. The other thing I just want to touch on within the same vein is something you said to me before the show, which is what so many of us struggle with, especially because, I mean, being a part of this space for 15 years. Wow. Uh, a lot of changes, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's it's evolved the landscape. It's it's a massively moving evolving target. And today where what we're faced with is well, people call them micro influencers, but you know, everyone's an expert, everyone's got a platform, everyone's got something to say and everyone's saying it. So, how do you say something that's already been said? Uh what do you do when when you know, you just hear so many people saying like who wants to hear from me? It's already being said. Someone's already saying it. Someone's been saying it longer. Yeah, I think, well, you, you have to remember what we were talking about before, that there's someone out there who needs to hear it specifically from you yeah. for whatever reason, whether it is the context you give it, like what it means to you and the story you tell around it, mm. or it is the trust that they have in you because of other things they've heard from you how they know you and just they're like them liking you if you like someone that is going to make something from them land with you way better than from somebody you don't really know or get so i think you have to remember that and like i would encourage sharing the story around you know if you have something to share some some points some great wisdom like sharing the story around it what it means to you put it in context share why it means something to you and that will help it land in a whole new way that'll communicate it in a whole new way in a way that nobody else could have said this is this is great because what i'm hearing here is that yeah when we distill it down like we can make an argument and it's more of a negative glass half empty pessimistic viewpoint of like there's no new original ideas everything is the same you know message and all that type of stuff but what we can all agree on is that everyone has a a unique story, right? Like there's no one that's lived your life from the perspective 
the years, the experience, the situations that you have, that has an impact on not just the message, but how it's received. And the, all, yeah. the other thing is realizing that this isn't just about, I just have content and I'm going to take it from my brain and put it into your brain, but that your audience, you have a relationship with those people. And that relationship is unique. Yeah. Unlike any other relationship they have with anybody else. Uh, so I'm kind of hearing like through your story and then your relationship with this individual, this your following, your list, et cetera, you create a unique message simply through that. Your yeah, unique perspective right. of it. Yes. I mean, what if I had like come on your show with the intention of just saying, feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people have heard that over and over and I don't think they need to hear it, hear that from me in those words. That's right. a quote. That's something somebody else said, but I came on and talked about how I want to crap my pants when I go on stage. Yeah. But it doesn't and, stop and you. I, it doesn't right. stop you from going on stage. Right. Yeah. And I talked about why I do it and why I push through that. Yeah. And so I think that's going to land with somebody who's already heard they should feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm hmm. And maybe they will be inspired to go do something that makes them want to crap their pants. <laughs> or, you know, metaphorically. Met Met oh, yes, metaphorically. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope so. Well, when I said my body revolts, I didn't mean all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave you all with that visual. Um, thank you so much. No, this has been fantastic, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any final thoughts or any other perspectives to share before we wrap up today? You know, I think when we were talking about stepping out of the shadows and, mm. and becoming a star, I think that if anyone listening knows, just secretly knows that they're a little bit of a star in some way and that someone might look at them that way, I think it's your responsibility to go out there and be a star and you have to be willing to be one. I always think of this this woman in my dance class, I take this dance class now, not hip hop, but house close. <laughs> and she's amazing. And she's also a Pilates instructor. Her name is Georgia. And I saw her, she had an Instagram story um, about her Pilates class. And I was like, I really love that story that you put up about your class. I never see those from you. And she's like, I know, I know I gotta, I gotta do that more. I just don't want to be all like, look at me, look at me. And I was like, but people want you to be all mm -hmm. look at me. They want to look at you. They want to see that from you and say, oh, wow, look what she's doing. I want to do it like that. And so if you say, I don't want to be all look at me, look at me, you're like you're hiding, you're keeping yourself. You're keeping something great from people who need you to Absolutely. be a star. Yeah. So go be willing to be one. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And then lastly, where can we go connect with you online? Where's the best place to uh, learn more about you? Come over to talkingshrimp.com. I love it. And, and get on my list. It's pretty unavoidable. I've tried to make it unavoidable to sign up for my emails. So <laughs> I hope you will. <laughs> Good. Awesome. And we'll link that all up in the show notes for you guys. So Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and chat with me thank today. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was the best time ever. Yes. Keep going. Awesome. And I, I know our listeners will agree that this was the best time for them as well. So listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you all next time here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care.
Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.